Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Please sit down. Pirate radio stations. Good, 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 good. Now, I have told the Prime Minister that we will shut them down within 12 months. As you will see, sir, they're not, in fact, outside of the law at the moment, sir. And then they soon will be, won't they, Mr... Uh, Fred, Fredericks. You see, that's the whole point of being the government. If you don't like something, you simply make up a new law that makes it illegal. Uh, speaking of which, Mr... Frederick. Fredericks. Yes, sir. I think we might also start working on legislation to outlaw that haircut of yours. You don't like it, sir? No one likes it, apart from blind people. And I'm sure even they can sense its profound ugliness as it passes by. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I open up with that scene from Pirate Radio from 2009, if you haven't seen it. It's kind of the story of a radio station, radio station on a ship outside uh, uh, outside the uh, the island of England when uh, playing, playing rock and roll music when rock and roll music was considered evil, not acceptable. And you know that, hey, you know what, if uh, that's the, the, the thing about the government, if you find something that you don't like, you simply create a law that makes it illegal. Kind of what we're, do- what we're uh, experiencing in America today. We thought we'd never be there. That song was the, cro- the Closet Chronicles from Kansas off the uh, Point of No Return album, 1977. You know, it's amazing when you, uh, you hear all these songs you've been, you've been listening to for all your life. And uh, you go back and listen to the words, and you say, "Man, these guys were 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 uh, future future tellers. They were just were talking about Biden in there. You know, he's hiding in the closet." Anyway, anyway, if you haven't if you haven't heard it and listened to the words, go back and go on to the uh, YouTube and uh, look up Closet Chronicles from Kansas, and you'll see this the song that was written way before way before uh, our current day and talking about Biden. So uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to talk about all kinds of stuff that's going on in this week in uh, in our country, and uh, some of it some of it you may be aware of. Some of it I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some uh, some extra extra thoughts, extra thoughts that maybe you haven't thought of uh, into into your mind to make you consider some stuff. But before I do that, let me introduce myself for those who don't know me. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage Corporation. If you're ready to get involved in any fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, and there are fantastic opportunities out there, and they're just growing, they're just growing as we go, uh, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020 if you want to get some financing 
on a piece of property that you own or a piece of property you'd like to own. Uh, 855-640-2020. One last time, dear night. Toll-free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get in touch with me to talk real estate or financing, but you don't want to talk on the phone because it's so personal, go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and uh, then fill out all the stuff. Tell me how much information you want. Give me as much information as you want me to as you want me to have, and you'll hear back from one of my team, one of my teammates, or myself. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if there's something on the on the show that you want repeated, or you missed part of it, or you just couldn't hear it during radio hours, then uh, stay on the edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. There you can find this show as well as several past shows. Listen to them on demand. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, also known as Apple Podcast, um, and you can subscribe for free. Have it automatically download to your uh, your phone or your computer or your whatever device you listen to podcasts on. Uh, I record on Friday mornings and it'll upload on Friday afternoon and it'll download to your device shortly thereafter. Uh, if you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about what's going on. After months of playing coy, stumbling over his answer, and reminding America that he's a great respecter of fate, whatever that means, Joe Biden finally announced that he will run for re-election in 2024. My prediction, as I posted on Facebook, is um, he's announcing because he doesn't want to be seen as a lame duck this early in his term. But sometime in early early 24, uh, he'll sit, he'll bow out for health reasons. That's my prediction. I could be wrong. In a slick, heavily edited video announcement released at 6 a.m. Eastern on Tuesday, which is 3 a.m. our time, it became official. Uh, not sure exactly why why he released it so early in the morning, but I know exactly why he released it on video because they have a chance to edit it before uh, so he doesn't screw it up. The video started off with a focus group tested message about quote unquote freedom. What's it all about? America, Jesus, freedom. Say it again. America, Jesus, freedom. But what does that mean? And I don't know, but the people sure love it when I say it. Oops, not that one. Personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be a red or blue issue protect our rights, to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally and that everyone is given a fair shot at making it. But you know, around the country, MAGA extremists are lining up to take on those bedrock freedoms. Cutting Social Security that you paid for your entire life while cutting taxes for the very wealthy. Dictating what health care decisions women can make. Banning books and telling people who they can love. All while making it more difficult for you to be able to vote. Yeah, well, you know what? It, uh, it's amazing that uh, how the how you know uh, Trump got indicted for thirty four counts of the same thing because he said because he said that uh, he didn't do it thirty four different times, and they're indicting him for for what they call misinformation. But Biden does it every single day. In fact, every Democrat does it every single day. So hey, you know what? The MAGA Republicans are are out there trying to cut Social Security. That's complete BS. Nobody wants to cut Social Security. That's that's something he 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 stretched. He stretched some uh, some line that says all laws should be uh, uh, should expire every five years and be revisited. And if they should be uh, 
and if they if they're good enough, they'll be reinstituted. Uh, in uh, Rick Scott's uh, uh, plan that he that he put out about last year, cutting uh, taxes for the wealthy. Yeah, cutting taxes for the wealthy. The Republicans want to cut taxes for corporations because that's what it, that's what uh, what stimulates the economy. That's what makes America great is by cutting the taxes, cutting the the government trying to squeeze taxes out of rich people and and corporations and stopping them from expanding their businesses and uh, creating jobs because that's how it, that's what happens. You cut the taxes, cuts their expenses. They use those expenses to expand their expand their their companies and create jobs and raises and it trickles down. Don't let Hillary Clinton tell you that trickle down economics doesn't work. It's exactly how the economy works. Wait, they're limiting health care decisions for women. Uh, is that an abortion thing? Uh, yeah, we want to stop abortions. We want to stop abortions because it's it's murder. Uh, they want we want to ban books. That's complete BS. Nobody wants to ban books. Nobody. The only thing that they talk about is uh, you know uh, uh, parents not wanting to have certain books in the school libraries or become mandatory reading because they're because then they've got explicit sex and stuff. It's just a complete complete lie. Um, telling you who you can love. I don't know. Gay marriage has been uh, been uh, legal in in 50 states since 2015. I'm not sure uh, what they're saying about who. You know, I'll tell you what I say. Hey, you can love anybody you want. I just don't want don't want it rubbed in my face. And I don't get any special uh, special privileges for the things I like to do with my wife in the bedroom. You shouldn't have any special privileges for what you want to do with whoever in the bedroom. Uh, and we want to say who can vote. We don't want to say who can vote. We just want to make sure that people only get to vote once. And if you vote, you're you're really a legal person to vote. It's called uh, election integrity. So that's that's where there goes. But there's good news. Biden will keep America safe from this this doomsday that he talks about if you just give him four more years, and if he makes it lo- that long. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we're in a battle for the soul of America. And we still are. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead, we have more freedom or less freedom, more rights or fewer. I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do too. This is not a time to be complacent. Yeah. That's why I'm running for re-election. Yeah, he wants to make sure that we have rights to freedom, freedom to have, except for freedom to drive a, a gas-powered car, freedom to have a gas-powered stove, uh, freedom to send our, send our kids to, to whatever school we want, and uh, how about freedom to not take vaccines if you, uh, if you don't believe in them? Uh, how about freedom to parent your own kids? I don't know. It seems to me that the freedoms are being taken away not by the MAGA Republicans, but by the Biden administration. So inspiring. Let's hear some more. Because I know America. I know we're good and decent people. I know we're still a country that believes in honesty and respect and treating each other with dignity. That we're a nation where we give hate no safe harbor. We believe that everyone is equal, that everyone should be given a fair shot to succeed in this country. Thank you for choosing us. Every generation of Americans has faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Stand up for our personal freedom. Stand up for the right to vote and our civil rights. 
And this is our moment. Yeah, everyone is everyone is equal, and everybody ha- should have an equal shot at everything. As long as you're gay or transgender, or black or an illegal alien, uh, that's that's what that's how the Biden administration thinks. And if you're a white male uh, Christian, uh, well, then you're already too equal. You shouldn't have any rights, you know. And of course, he ends it with "This is our moment," which reminds me of a uh, a more appropriate scene from the movie Up in the Air. Retailers are down 20%. Auto industry is in the dump. Housing market doesn't have a heartbeat. It is one of the worst times on record for America. This is our moment. Yeah, that should have been his campaign uh, speech because that is the truth of what's going on. So he's running for re-election, but don't expect to see Biden touring the country anytime soon. From New York Times on Wednesday... Biden's 2024 campaign begins. You might miss it at first. President Biden has formally moved from a campaign in waiting to a campaign of waiting. Despite his heavily anticipated re-election announcement on Tuesday, Biden has no immediate plans to barnstorm the key battleground states. Large rallies will have to come later. Instead, Biden's next steps look much like his recent ones, leveraging the White House to burnish his record with ribbon cuttings and Willing, willingly ceding the stage to a Republican presidential primary that is already descending into a dogfight between Donald J. Trump and Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, even before he's entered the race. So here he is doing one of his ribbon cuttings hours after the video release. It was a speech to North America building trades unions, and Biden traveled all the way across town to the Washington Hilton for it. Here's how we know when a speech is doubling as a campaign event. When we get another focus group tested catchphrase, in this case, it's finish the job. We now have to finish the job. Union workers are going to finish the job. No, I learned a long time ago, there's labor and there's unions. Unions. It's time to finish the job. Finish the job. There's more to do. So let's finish the job. We just got to keep it going. That's not hyperbole, that's a fact. Yeah, my uh, my bet says uh, he probably gave out gift cards to Starbucks or Outback Steakhouse or someplace uh, to all those union managers uh, who anyone who would chant four more years because I can't imagine a crowd actually chanting four more years. I can't imagine anybody who would want four more years of what we've had in the last two years. I just don't understand it. Hey, everybody, you know. Other than Rob Reiner, who's out there tweeting about if you want this and you want this, Biden should be your next president. Uh, clearly, he's he's demented. Um, but back to the New York Times article. The first 24 hours, a heavily scripted period in any campaign, serve as a Biden roadmap for the months to come. A video announcement, an array of text messages to spur online donations, the behind-the-scenes hiring of his campaign team, an official White House event that doubled as a campaign opportunity, and a rally focused on abortion rights, headlined by the vice president at a historically black university. Oh yeah, about that. Here's Kamala at Howard University on Tuesday. Now I stand here, proud to run for re-election with President Joe Biden as, as vice president of the United States of America.
so we can finish the job. I think it's very important for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present, and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but the future. Really? Come on, man. Really? Trigger the Southern Black dialect. I trust the women of America. I trust the people of America to make decisions about themselves. I trust them. And so don't get in our way, because if you do, we're going to stand up and we're going to organize and we're going to speak up and we're going to say, we're not having that. We're not playing that. No, homie, don't play that. Take note of what we just heard. We hear her repeat the campaign approved. Finish the job. Catchphrase. Yeah, finish the job. Come on. What do you do? Finish flushing the country down the toilet? We hear racial pandering when she accentuates the African-American accent that we never hear from her any other time because she's not African-American. Plus, and then in the middle, the trademark word salad. Every time Kamala Harris starts talking about time and history and the moment we're in, that's when her speeches quickly uh, devolve into word salads. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe she thinks she has to uh, sound, sound uh, sound more like she's talking off the hip than she is. Uh, you know what? Hey, the passage of time is uh, significant when you consider time and how it passes. You know, we've heard that so many times. Back to the Biden speech that day. Here's where he says the job we're supposed to let him finish is the economy. Yeah, finish killing it. Because we're too dumb to know what a supply chain is. Everything that's wrong with our economy is Russia's fault, not his, and his economic plan is working. You guys just don't realize it. I know folks are also struggling with inflation. The first pandemic disrupted the supply chain, causing prices to rise. Think how many people had no idea what the hell heck a supply chain was. No, I'm serious. You said two, two and a half years ago, well, the supply chain, people look at, I mean, really bright people. Look at uh, the, uh, yeah, the Putin's war in Ukraine. Disrupted energy supplies and food supply. The Americans pay more for prescription drugs than any advanced country on earth. Any advanced country for the same exact drug. Our economic plan is working. Yeah, I'm serious. I'm serious. You know what? Supply chains. People didn't know what a supply chain is. Let's see. Supply and a chain. What would that be around? People are, that would be the, uh, that would seem like the chain between the manufacturer and the stores and everywhere along the way. I don't know that even really bright people. Well, bright people in, in his eyes are uh, Kareem Jean-Pierre, you know, people that, you know, they, they're not old enough to know, to know which way is up and they're not old enough and they're not old enough to, and wise enough to see that Joe Biden is just not there. And, uh, you know, Putin's war in Ukraine is uh, uh, interrupting our energy supply and our food supply. Really? Let's talk about your first day in office when you interrupted the, the energy supply by cutting off all the energy, all the oil drilling in this country and the, and the, and the supply chain of oil from Canada. And, uh, of course, pres- and you always have to add in the cost of prescription drugs because that's just one of those Democrat things. And our economy is working. 
Trust me. I don't know. I think uh, whoever goes up against him in the debates just need to say, hey, does it seem like it's working to you? How about your credit card balances? Are they up or are they down? How about you realize that when COVID hit, all these uh, special checks they were sending us, people were paying off all their credit balances. Today, credit card balances are higher than, significantly higher than they were uh, before COVID hit. How about uh, how about the payments on payments for gas? How about the payments for cars? How about the payments for everything? How about the the cost of groceries? Does any of this sound like the economy is working? Do you feel it? So anyway, that's uh, that's Joe Biden's uh, introduction into his campaign. Joe Biden's been telling lies about his personal history ever since he ran ran for Senate almost 40 years ago. But when he became president, Biden started piling on new, increasingly strange lies about his house almost burning down once with Jill inside of it, about his son Bo dying in Iraq when he actually died out of a brain tumor after being discharged, and now a brand new for his 2024 campaign, uh, getting a lie about his grandpop. Not corn pop, grandpop. Think about it this way. My grandpop, who I never met, he died in the same hospital I was born in two weeks before I was born. Yeah, this one is easily fact-checked. Joe Biden's grandfather, Joseph Harry Biden, died September 26, 1941. Joe was not born two weeks later, as we just heard him say. He was born over a year later, on November 20th, 1942. And it could not and it could not have been the same hospital because his grandfather died in Baltimore and Joe Biden, as he reminds us quite often, was born in Pennsylvania. Is there a chance he was talking about his grandfather on his mother's side? Maybe, but that would even be more incorrect because Joe Biden's maternal grandfather, Ambrose Joseph Finnegan, died May, May of 1957 when Joe was 15 years old. Uh, you know when Joe Biden is lying? When his lips are moving. And, you know, you see so many people on social media. Hey, everything, everything Trump says is a lie. I don't think so. I think uh, just like everything else that Democrats say, that everything they blame on on the Republicans is the stuff they're doing. Here's some more personal history lies from Joe Biden. I went to law school on a full academic scholarship. The only one in my in my class uh, to have a full academic scholarship. Went back to law school and, in fact, ended up in the top half of my class. I was the outstanding student in the political science department at the end of my year. I graduated with three degrees from undergraduate school and 165 credits, only 123 credits. Biden now concedes he did not graduate in the top half of his law school class, that he does not have three degrees from college, and that he was not named outstanding political science student in college. Lightning struck in a little pond behind my house, came up through the ground into the air conditioning system. Ended up generating thick black smoke, literally, literally that of those proportions. We almost lost a couple of firefighters, they tell me, because the kitchen floor was the burning between the beams and, and, and the house, in addition to almost collapsed into the basement. I say this as a father of a man who won the Bronze Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and lost his life in Iraq. Yeah, why does this man tell so many lies about his family and personal history? What purpose does it serve? Well, in my eyes, I guess if he tells the truth, everyone who voted for him would wonder, what ever made anybody think that this guy was qualified to be the president of the United States? And let's not forget about all, all the cultures he claims to come from. And let's say one thing to rest. I may be a practicing Catholic. I used to go to 7.30 Mass every morning in high school and then in college before I went to the black church. 
Not a joke. Andy knows this. I got my start at one of those other HBCUs, Delaware State University. You know, the Persian culture is amazing as a student of the Persian culture, not a practitioner, but a student. But we have a very, in relative terms, large Puerto Rican population in Delaware, relative to our population. We have the eighth largest black population in the country, and between all minorities, we have 20% of our state is minority. And so I, uh, I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home, politically. There you are, with his predecessors, uh, Rabbi Kraft and uh, Rabbi Geffen. Uh, that's where I received uh, my education. I probably uh, went to shul more than many of you did. <laughs> You all think I'm kidding. He can tell you I'm not. I'm not. No, he's not. He's not telling the truth. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for the first half of the main event, so stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, sports, and commercials, and I'll be back right back with lots more. Allow me. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about mortgage and financing and uh, real estate, but uh, if you're uh, if you're in the market, if you're in the market to uh, to purchase a piece of property you'd like to own, whether that's in California or another state, if you're in the market to uh, possibly do a, a debt consolidation on the on the with the uh, equity in your house. And you're looking for financing on that, or if you're over 62 or your spouse is, and you want to look into one of those uh, reverse mortgage things everybody's talking about, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and uh, we'll do the cyber thing. So uh, in the first half, we were talking about Joe Biden, Joe Biden's lies, and Joe Biden's uh, uh, re-election campaign. In uh, the second half, we're going to talk about uh, the southern border. With the Title 42 expiration looming on May 11th, the floodgates could open up for up to 15,000 migrants per day to swarm the border. So once again, we've got Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas talking out both sides of his mouth. Mayorkas delivered a joint press conference on Thursday with Secretary, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who we just learned this week goes back a long way with Hunter Biden, but that's a story for another day. Uh, Blinken and Mayorkas announced that they anticipate a, quote, 60-day surge. Now, this is the first time they've even admitted that there's going to be a surge of any, any kind. And they say it's going to take place during the transition out of Title 42. Their plan is to stall, their plan is to stall migrants at new regional processing centers before they reach the border. And you know what? Uh, they've decided that this surge will only be 60 days. Of course, we know it'll probably be for 20 months because that's when we'll get a new, a new president who will shut the border down. The Biden administration will establish these regional processing centers throughout Latin America. The first ones will be in Guatemala and Colombia, and more centers are expected to be announced in the coming weeks. Let me think. Colombia... 
Colombia is on the other side of the Panama Canal. So that's going to uh, do what? And Guatemala is way down Central America. And uh, there's probably hundreds of thousands of them waiting, waiting in Mexico already to come across because it keeps getting delayed. So what are those regional processing centers going to do in Guatemala and Colombia? I don't know. This is just my logically thinking brain analyzing what they say is going to happen. The idea, idea behind this is not to stop the migrants, but to essentially slow them down. From ABC News, these centers will be used to pre-screen individuals to assess eligibility for entry into the United States. Eligibility? Since when do you have to be eligible? So uh, they're, gonna, they're going to analyze the eligibility through refugee resettlement, humanitarian parole programs, family reunification, or other lawful pathways. In other words, they still get to enter if our government can help them find a way. They're going to figure out, hey, you know what? Well, you're not legal to come over here, but let's see what rule we can squeeze you in on. Here's Anthony Blinken. We're announcing a 60-day surge of urgent assistance to regional partners to enhance security, to counter smuggling. We're also working to counter disinformation being spread by traffickers and other bad actors so that people who want to migrate have accurate information about how to do so legally and safely. So they're trying to counter disinformation, not from our, from our government to the American people, but from human traffickers and coyotes to the immigrants. So in other words, they're not trying to protect Americans. They want to protect the migrants. They want to make sure that the migrants know they don't have to pay. They want to make sure the migrants know that they'll find a way to get them over here. I don't know. That just doesn't seem like what our government should be doing. And I've said it a million times. The government really has two op- two uh, responsibilities. Protect us from from uh, our, our uh, enemies, foreign and domestic, and enforce the laws. So, hey, you know, make sure that the bad guys don't come into our country and make sure that, you know, whatever laws we put on the books are enforced. I don't think they seem to be doing that. Next, Mayorkas did what he does best, say exact opposite of what it's, what's actually happening. After estimating up to 6,000 people per month will be processed through these centers, he made this declaration. After May 11th, our court-compelled use of Title 42 will end, and we will once again process all migrants under Title 8 of the United States Code. They will be removed most often in a matter of days and just a few weeks. We are announcing today that that ineligibility will now extend to individuals who take to the seas and are interdicted trying to arrive at our maritime borders. Let me be clear, our border is not open and will not be open after May 11th. So where this doesn't make sense, um, Title VIII says that coyotes and traffickers don't get to come in with the people they're bringing. So people that, illegal immigrants that, that assist illegal immigrants to come over will not be will not be uh, admitted to our country. That's what Title Eight says. It doesn't say anything that hey, we're going to admit them over Title Eight, so we're going to keep the coyotes out. All the people they're bringing over, we're going to let in, as long as they come across on foot. We're not going we're going to find ways to let them across if they come over on foot, but if they come over on a boat or a plane, no, our border's not open. So he says, says our border won't be open after May 11th. Someone should tell congressional Democrats because they're working on passing a bill that would prevent anyone from being able to send migrants back once they get here. 
This week, Democrats introduced the Dignity for Detained Immigrants Act. Dignity for Detained Immigrants. People that come over, they get detained. We want to give them some dignity. Why don't they say safety for legal legal uh, residents, for legal citizens? Safety for Legal Citizens Act. That's probably what they should do. The, this bill aims to end mandatory detention, family detention, private detention facilities, essentially every form of migrant detention currently in use. Under this bill, sponsored by Representative Pramila Jayapal of Washington, the one who's been in the news like every day, and Senator Cory Booker, apparently they want to get uh, Pramila Jayapal in there to kind of drown out AOC. Uh, and so Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey, among dozens of others in both House and Senate. The Department of Homeland Security could arrest illegal aliens and either release them on bond or detain them for up to 48 hours. Let's see. You, so you arrest them and you either release them or you can detain them for 48 hours. Hold on to that 48-hour idea there. In that 48 hours, DHS would simply determine whether the release of an alien will not reasonably assure the appearance of an alien as required or will endanger the safety of others while they wait for custody hearing. The custody hearing would need to happen within 72 hours. So what does that mean? It means that they have to determine if the release would not reasonably ensure the appearance. So that uh, for their uh, for their for their uh, custody hearing that would happen within 72 hours. Well, if the custody hearing has to happen within 72 hours, why don't they just say that we can detain them for 72 hours till they do the custody hearing instead of releasing them and deciding whether whether they'll come back? Hmm. How do they determine that? How do they determine that, hey, if we release him, this guy will still come back? Yeah, he seems nice. Sure. All right. I'm satisfied. When the hearing happens, according to this bill, there shall be a presumption that an alien should be released. Really? Really? So I understand the presumption. Someone goes to court. There's a presumption of innocence. Hey, you're presumed innocent until proven guilty. So that's something that's given to American citizens. But we're going to presume that illegal aliens should be released. That's the presumption until they have their hearing. And at the hearing, what are they going to do? I, I don't know. Then here's the, there's a part of the bill that seeks to exempt several groups from any detention at all. This quote-unquote special rule for vulnerable persons. You probably heard about it. It says vulnerable, vulnerable persons may not be detained unless DHS can demonstrate that it is unreasonable or not practical to place an alien in a community-based supervision program. What does that mean? What's a so so it says unless or not unless it's unreasonable or not practical to place an alien in a community-based supervision program. What's a community-based supervision pro supervision program? I don't know. That's something they're gonna invent as they go. To make it easy as possible for migrants to qualify as a, quote, vulnerable person, there are a whopping 11 qualifications someone can fall under. Listen to these 11 options to let illegal aliens go. Just say one. If you guys will just say one of these, we'll let you go. Primary caregivers, what we used to call parents. So if you're a parent, then you're a vulnerable person and won't be detained. Those who are a victim or witness to a crime, well, they're all committing crime by coming over, and most of them are victims of crimes by coyotes, so I guess that could be any of them. 
Hey, I witnessed a crime. I jumped over the fence. I saw it. I saw me do it. Anyone who has filed a non-frivolous civil rights claim in court. Hmm. Well, they don't have any civil rights uh, laws. Are, civil rights are, are rights of American citizens. So how do they have any civil rights until they come over, until it's determined that they're legally here? Um, this, this one will, give, will make immigrant attorneys, this is a get-rich-quick scheme for them because there will be immigrant attorneys at the border ready to file non-frivolous lawsuits on civil rights claims. Anyone with a workplace claim. A workplace claim? So if you have a claim that you were abused at your workplace in Mexico, because if you just came over, how would you have a job already here to claim? Oh, wait, hey, you released me and I got a job and they tried to abuse me. Well, I guess we shouldn't release them then, huh? Asylum seekers. Isn't that what they're all claiming to be? Asylum seekers? Uh, pregnant women. I thought it was pregnant people. I guess we're not... I didn't think we were allowed to call it pregnant women anymore. Okay, here's, here's one. LGBT people. Something anyone can lie about it. Sure, that's the ticket. Yeah, I'm, I'm gay. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that's me. So I'm a vulnerable person now. Survivors of torture or gender-based violence. Something anyone can lie about. Hey, my my dad beat me up when I told him I was gay, and uh, I'm I'm seeking asylum. I guess you don't have to say seeking asylum because if you're a survivor of torture or gender-based violence, that's enough. <coughs> or I guess that can be, hey, I'm a I was raped on the way over. That's gender-based violence. I was I was raped because I'm a girl, and because I'm and because I'm uh, underage. People under 21, okay. That's some, something many of them do lie about already. Of course, none of them have birth certificates when they get here because they throw them as they go over. They throw them away as they come across the border. They just throw away their birth certificates and their ID and anything that would identify them so they can tell us anything, which doesn't make any sense to me as to why we would allow that. Anyone with a serious mental or physical illness or disability, that can be faked. Uh, anyone with a, uh, and any of those with limited English proficiency, also known as everyone who comes over. Oh man, no speaker, no speaker. Okay. You're a vulnerable person. I guess you can come in. So since you don't speak English very well, um, I don't know. The bill states that anyone who DHS does manage to detain must have a new custody determination every 60 days. Or at any time changed circumstances. The bill also states that anyone who DHS does manage to detain must get a new custody determination hearing every 60 days or at any time changed circumstances require a new hearing. Ridiculous. So if you're if you're if you're too dumb to figure out how to just lie so you can come across, uh, then they're just not gonna put up with that. So every 60 days they're gonna give you another chance. Reminds me of this scene from the terminal. You can go to New York City tonight, but you only get to go if we can establish a credible fear. Fear? Mm -hmm. Fear. 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 From what? Well, that's the best part. It doesn't really matter what you're afraid of. It's all the same to Uncle Sam, okay? So I'm going to ask you one question, Victor, and it's a simple question. And if you give me the correct answer, I can get you out of this airport tonight. So I answer one question. Mm -hmm. Go to New York City uh -huh. tonight. 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 
Uh, <laughs> okay. 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 All right. Do you, at this time, have any fear of returning to your own country? Uh, no. Uh, no. Okay. You're too dumb. You're too dumb. We'll uh, we'll put you in detention. Wait sixty days and see if you smarten up after sixty days. And just to make sure, we're gonna have coaches in the detention center to teach you. Just say when they ask you this, say yes, and then you're free. So we're gonna let everyone go, and the ones who are kids or claim to be kids will go to sponsors. Well, we all know some of those sponsors are really actually employers and not very good ones. On Wednesday, the House Judiciary Committee held a hearing called The Biden Border Crisis, Exploitation of Unaccompanied Alien Children. So, hey, the Republican House is saying, hey, you know, maybe this, maybe the uh, Anthony Blinken and, and uh, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas are not really telling the truth. So we're going to have a hearing about the border crisis and the exploitation of unaccompanied children spurred by somebody actually telling them what's going on. Department of Health and Human Services whistleblower named Tara Lee Rodas testified about her time volunteering at a migrant emergency center in California, specifically the Pomona Fairplex. Well, I, I know I talked about this earlier when I have a, a client who was a traveling RN who said she made tons of money working at this Fairplex uh, thing where all these illegal aliens come over, and they basically just sat around, sat around and read books until somebody came up and said... I have a headache and the government's paying them big bucks and uh, paying for catering and, and all kinds of stuff over there and doctors and all that stuff. And uh, so Rodas was working there. Rodas says that from what she witnessed, the Biden administration is complicit in allowing 85,000 migrant kids to be quote unquote sponsored into slave labor. Today, children will call a hotline to report they're being abused, neglected and trafficked. And we don't know if they're going to get the help they need. And whether it's intentional or not, it could be argued that the United States government has become the middleman in a large-scale, multi-billion-dollar child trafficking operation that is run by bad actors seeking to profit off of the lives of children. So at some point, some of these people that are working in the, our government are going to say, well, they're giving me lots of money, but this just is not right. At some point, someone besides me is going to say, hey, all I got to do is fill out this form and lie about my, uh, lie about my business, and they're going to give me all this money under Paycheck Protection Program and uh, not take it. Oh, wait, hey, they're sending me, they're sending me checks for, for stuff that, I didn't, that I'm not suffering from. And, of course, when I got it, I signed it over to the church and said, hey, this is, uh, I don't need it. I don't know why you're sending it to me. Uh, and at some point, some people like this whistleblower are going to say, this is not right. Someone needs to stand up. And for those of you out there listening, you guys see stuff. And standing up doesn't mean you have a congressional hearing. That means you speak the truth to the people around you. You speak out. And I call on the churches out there to stop worrying about your your 501c3 uh, exempt, tax exemption and start speaking the truth because there's about 40 million uh uh, Christians out there that don't vote and someone needs to call them and, and show them what's, what's going on. So let's talk about, uh, let's talk about uh, Hunter Biden's hot water. The same week he announced his bid for reelection, we were reminded that Joe Biden, Mr. Family Man in the White House, who seems to have more pride in his family name than anyone else alive, much less a U.S. president, has a grandchild he and his wife refuse to acknowledge. 
we're talking about a four-year-old little girl. And now it appears that this child's father, and I think we all know who that is, doesn't want to take responsibility for this child either. Here's the story. A judge in Arkansas has ordered Hunter Biden to appear in person for hearing next Monday regarding the paternity case of his unacknowledged four-year-old daughter. Back in September, Hunter filed a request to adjust his child support payments to his child's mother, London Roberts. Remember, that's the, that's the one-night stand he had with a stripper. The reason? A substantial material change in his financial circumstances, including but not limited to his income. Maybe one of the reasons is his income has uh, changed is because there's a war in Ukraine and Russia's in the war with Ukraine and uh, China's in a, in a really weird spot with the United States because they're trying to take us over. And uh, maybe they're not sending money to Hunter Biden anymore so they can, uh, so they can, uh, they can bribe his, his father, the president, because uh, they have no intention of needing any more favors. They've gotten all the favors they need and they're slowly taking over our country. So I guess that's uh, limiting Hunter Biden's income. Of course, he still has those his painting career, you know, spent people paying up to a half a million for his paintings. The hearing for that will finally be held on Monday, and the judge has ordered that Hunter must appear in person for a change. According to the Arkansas, Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Independence County Circuit Judge Holly Meyer ruled that Biden and London Roberts, the mother of the four-year-old Navy James Roberts, can no longer continue sending just their attorneys to the proceedings. From now on, I want both of your clients at every hearing I conduct, Meyer told Hunter's attorney, Brett Langdon, as well as Robert's attorney, I will no longer allow us to excuse clients because it's interfering with the progress of the litigation. Let's recap the journey with Joe Biden's grandchild. She was born in 2018, August of 2018, and a paternity suit was filed in May of 2019 because, of course, Hunter Biden first tried to deny responsibility for the paternity. So, you know, he likes to stick his, uh, his thing anywhere he can and uh, doesn't want to take any responsibility for it. Kind of like all those people at the abortion clinics. Then in 2020, Judge Meyer declared, with near scientific certainty that Hunter Biden is the girl's father, according to the DNA test. This is the same judge we just heard, heard from, and she's probably more tired of Hunter's nonsense than anyone else. I would have probably used a different name, than different word than nonsense. After the DNA results, both parties agreed to temporary child support until the case was resolved. They then agreed to a settlement in March of 2020, but six months later in September, Hunter filed the adjustment request, claiming he was suddenly too poor to pay child support. So London Roberts pulled a bold move, filing a motion to have the girl's last name changed to Biden. Her lawyers wrote in a motion, The Biden name is now synonymous with, well, with being well-educated, successful, financially acute, and politically powerful, and we want that for the little girl. Well, Hunter didn't like that, and the big guy probably didn't either. So in a rebuttal, Hunter's attorney demanded strict proof thereof that such a request is in the best interest of the child. Why wouldn't it be? I don't know. You know, to me, if uh, if Don and I found out that one of our boys was uh, was careless with their uh, with their uh, Peter, and uh, and we had a grandchild out there. We'd want to ha welcome that child into the family. We only have two grandkids, and uh, we'd like to know that our our uh, legacy is being pushed elsewhere, and we'd like have to have a chance to have some influence on that little piece of uh, our bloodline. And that's how we know the Biden family doesn't even want to claim this innocent child as their own.
Mr. Family Man in the White House, he has seven grandchildren but only wants to claim six. And speaking of number six, that's how many influence peddling decisions Joe Biden has made since 2009. Uh, The House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer has identified as very concerning. Although Comer hasn't identified these six decisions specifically, at least one of them is believed to be the kickback scheme where then-VP Biden urged Congress to approve $50 million in support of Ukrainian energy production, the same month that Hunter Biden was appointed to the board of Burisma. And as Comer has said, Hunter and Joe's brother James were paid $4.8 million from CEFC Chinese Energy just before the cash was funneled into at least nine members of the Biden family. Comer is now saying it could possibly be up to 12 members. And they didn't pay taxes on any of it. Here's more from James Comer. I will tell you this from what I've seen uh, with the massive number of LLCs that were created. And it appears to me that the sole purpose of these LLCs was to uh, hide the source of the revenue coming to the Biden family and then to uh, distract the IRS from the fact that uh, they should be paying taxes on this. Not only was the president's son involved in some tax schemes, but it appears that many other members of the family were involved as well. They were creating yeah. LLCs to to disguise the source or launder the source and then to, to probably get out of paying federal taxes. So in other words, Biden wants rich people to pay their fair share. Every rich person, except for the ones named Biden. Hey, anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening. And I'll be back again with you next week.